As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to London's Leadership Podcast. We want to make it possible for anybody to lead and everybody to thrive. Hello and welcome back to London's Leadership Podcast. Today we have a very special guest straight in from Vienna. Fedor Holtz, poker champion, former number one poker champion worldwide is that right that's right so he he's here with me and i'm very excited to, to get to understand the mind of a champion learning what it means and how to maintain composure under intense pressure um so Fader, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became number one in the world <laughs> in poker um to make it crisp i am 26 now i was born in germany i started playing poker around 16, 17 with friends and uh, struggled for like two, three years, but quit studies actually to, or quit university to, to play poker. And then um, really started playing full time around 18, 19 um, and moved to Vienna. And that's when my career took off. So the next four years I went on to become number one online, number one live um, and cashed over $30 million and traveled the world so it was a pretty eventful last couple of years so tell us how how did you get how did you manage how does what does it feel like to be on a major poker scene on the final tables playing <laughs> with millions and millions of dollars it's very different it's every time was different throughout my career I went through a variety of different phases and the progress is crazy it's especially the first time is always so different than the second or the third time. And um, when you get used to playing really high buy-ins, it's just, it's just uh, an emotional, very quick, like very fast growth. So I, I've played poker a few times with some friends. Um, we, we, our, biggest, our biggest bets are like 10 pounds, <laughs> one pound big blind, 50p small blind. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and whenever I'm playing, I'm intensely... I've got to feel a lot of pressure when I'm putting in those chips because I don't want to lose my 10 pounds and 
when the cards don't come up, I'm waiting for something to come up. It doesn't come up. I, I don't know what to do. Shall I go all in? Shall I not go in? And I feel like I crumble under pressure playing poker. But you've, you've main, managed to maintain your composure through intense sessions of playing poker. And I think you have a unique skill set that can be directly transferred to leadership because leaders all over London and all over the world that are listening face pressure in their day-to-day -day life, face pressure with people, face pressure having to tell people to, to, that their time has come to an end, facing pressure with um, different voices in the organization and telling them what they think they should do. So, Fed, I, I would like to, to understand how does somebody maintain composure under pressure? What's your mindset as, I don't know, you're, you're, you're putting in a lot of money knowing that it's probably a gamble or a bluff um, and things like that. What's, what's the mindset? How do you do that? So, for me, the most important thing is always it, it's never, it never just appears. <laughs> It's not that I started playing and then everything, like I was a perfect poker player or I didn't uh, feel pressure or I didn't make lots of poor decisions. It's around the iteration process, improving constantly, getting better at what you're doing. And I think the part that um, is easy to, to forget about or to miss, obviously afterwards looking at the results, like, hey, okay, this is where, this is what you've achieved or where you're at. But forgetting about the energy and the time that went into getting to that point. If you look at me, how I played poker when I was 18 compared to how I was how I played when I was 22 or 23, I spent every single minute of the day in these five years trying to improve at what I was doing. And I was looking at it from different perspectives as well. So it wasn't only um, just going out and playing, but it was my whole life. Like my my the way I travel, the, like exactly the way I feel emotionally about it I sat down hundreds of times wrote down what I felt like I felt pressure and emotional distress thousands of times throughout my career but like to every single time go back in again dissect it like analyze it reflect on it sit with it it's like how how does that feel do I need this should I should it feel like this then to kind of come to the conclusion that I don't need it that um it's just something in my mind like pressure and expectations are only happening in my mind um, because I have fear of failure and there's something around that where um, I don't think it's necessary I don't think it has to be there and a lot of it is just built up through my experiences in life so um, this very results-oriented thinking has just been something that I've been kind of um, that I've learned throughout my my childhood and, and the experiences I've made but actually intuitively it's not really something that I connect with. Like, I, I don't need that fear of failure. I don't need to be scared. And so um, it's kind of the same way I've learned it. The other way around, I've trained to not feel it anymore in terms of just being fine with it. Like, if I feel it's a good decision to do this and to bet $100,000, I'm fine with the decision, even if it might mean that I lose it. And I think that's a very important process to see that it's one step at a time. It is never ends there's no point where you're like now i got it it it's yeah basically just i'm I'm always trying to to imagine like what can i do today to improve by one percent and to focus on that and to then just realize if i do that for a couple of years i'll be significantly better than than before you said something interesting there of um getting rid of a fear of failure and i guess pressure 
um, and maintaining composure under pressure really is heightened because we're scared of making a mistake or we're scared of what people will say. So talk us through when you have probably had a massive failure or you've ha you have lost a lot of money. How do you recuperate? How do you kind of get your mind back in the game to, to go back and win again? Because mm -hmm. sometimes people, they're so protected from failure that when they do have a massive fail failure or something significant happens in their life, they don't, they don't come back from it. Um, but I guess in poker, you have to come back. Otherwise, um, it's game over. Mm -hmm. So how would you, what kind of advice, what mindset, what thought patterns would you advise for people to, to bounce back from failure? Mm -hmm. um, it actually reminds me of one sentence that I've heard some time ago and I will never forget because it, it just, ingra it's ingrained in my mind the moment I've heard it was that behind every action there's a le legitimate need. And I have to think, of that when when whenever I experience when I when I'm scared or when I experience fear or or distress or or just when I'm uncertain I have to think of exactly that is I think a, a, what I would suggest is to there's there's always something on the surface um, like yeah you lose money like money is is on the surface like on the surface you lost money making a decision but what is actually causing the stress is the emotion behind like what it triggers so like mm, money is only the thing that triggered a certain emotion but like to go deeper and and look at the emotion and not look at the money because i think once when when you only focus at the money you will never find out the thing that actually triggers it um and that's that's what i what really caused the change in in my progress as well as in the beginning i was only focused on the superficial things And when you try to fix them, you don't really get to the core of what is actually causing, what's the root of, of um, yeah, that causes the fear. And so once I started looking at the fear itself, is like, why do I feel like I'm not good enough? Why do I feel like I have to prove someone else to, to finally be good enough? And once I started looking at that, and every single time it's like, hmm, okay, right now I'm doing this because I, I tried to prove this person that I'm like this and this good. I was like, no, I don't, I don't need that. Like I'm, I'm good enough. And, and once this, once I went through this process, then money wasn't that important anymore because when I feel good with myself, when I, when I feel content, when I feel balanced, like losing money doesn't matter because like I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy. Uh, and that's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant getting to that point where we can be content in ourselves and satisfied with who we are. So how, how exactly though, did you get to that point? Because, um, people are listening and they're, they're understanding, yeah, I have a huge fear of failure. All my approval is based on how successful I am, what my family think of me, how high I am in the organization. If I were to, if I were to lose that, then, then I'd be, I'd be nobody. But that's actually what produces the fear of failure and that actually doesn't mm -hmm. let us come back from it. So how do you get, how do you practically get to the place where you can be content in yourself? Mm -hmm. um, I, I always try to use the metaphor or the idea of what's external and what's internal. So whenever I feel like I'm externalizing something, I'm trying to take a look at it and try to internalize it. So I'm like, okay, I do this because of that person. I'm like, hmm, okay, no, what, like, how does it actually look if I look inside me and and how it feels inside and 
And that's exactly that. I think we can only be happy. Like I feel everything that is external is just a chase. So everything that is internal, I think that can really like lead to happiness. So whenever I'm, whenever I'm focusing on money, which is a very external construct and system, then I'm just chasing. I'm like, okay, I need this and this much money. Then I'm happy like this and this much money because the trigger is like you reach it and then you realize, Hey, it's actually not causing what I want. It's like, no, then I need more. And to understand that when you are in that external system, then you're just like, it's an endless loop of never reaching what you're looking for. And I think um, to, to use that as a reminder of like, hey, no, actually, how does it feel if I look inside? So now I'm realizing, okay, what are actually the things that make me happy? And then maybe I have to come to different conclusions than what mm, external systems are saying. So one conclusion that I came to is there's a lot of things that make me happy that do not correlate with making money. And it like certain things make money, but like it's not my focus. And if I focus on doing things that I really, really like, then I'll be fine. And so to come to that realization is basically breaking with a lot of the value systems and generally systems that are pretty um, social standard right now. And I think that requires a lot of independence. And I was very lucky to get that independence through playing poker. Um, that's, that's at least how I feel. Um, but yeah, that, that has been a major game changer for me. Great. So you're talking about not focusing on the things that get you the approval, but focusing on the things that actually genuinely make you happy. And I just was really interested in finding out what makes the number one poker player in the world really <laughs> happy. Um, that was basically the, the thing I realized it's definitely not making money. <laughs> and, and I've, I mean, I grinded thousands of hours like chasing that. I was every year I was like, I make a million, I make 2 million, I make 5 million, like then I'm happy. And to then have that break point where I'm like, no, okay, this apparently this logic can't work. Like this cycle is just going to go, I can go after this like decades and I'm not going to reach it. And to break it and be like, hmm, okay, I sat down and just every single day, basically I'm thinking about, okay, now I'm trying to intuitively internally check everything with myself. So I'm like, if I do something, it's like, hmm, okay, how does that feel? So if I meet someone, it's like, hmm, okay, how did that encounter feel? Like if I do something, did that feel right? And it's very hard to quantify it. And I think that's also why it's not that accepted. Is like a lot of things aren't, I can't explain. I think I'm pretty good at articulating things and, and argumenting, but um, still there's so many things I cannot quantify. So um, I think we're scared of saying, hey, this didn't feel right, but I can't say why. And I think this needs more space. Like, I think we need more space to just say, like, this felt great. I don't know why. This didn't feel great. I don't know why. But still, it's like, it's reasonable. It's a very important feeling, a very important argument. And um, that's kind of the thing I've realized for myself is things that make me happy are, a lot of them are very simple. Um, like, for example, I really like to learn new things. And it's very random sometimes. Like, I love to learn about um very variety of different processes and products and just like something new i'm interested in i love traveling i love playing football um like there's very simple things if i look at like if i write down the things that really make me happy my life is not a very um crazy lifestyle life it's just like i i like doing um things that expand my horizon and that's that's fine with me 
Absolutely brilliant. Um, you spoke a little bit about the thousand hours, the thousands of hours that you dedicated mm -hmm. to poker. And I just, and I just wanted to, to just ask you, what, what kind of habits does it require to make somebody a champion? Because mm -hmm. you know what it feels like to be top of your game. So what, what kind of things do people, what sacrifices do people need to make? What kind of habits do people need to make to get to the top of their game? So I always try to um, go by first principles. So my, my understanding is that if you try to be successful, which for me is not a first principle, then most likely you will not be successful. I believe if you do what you love, which is a first principle for me, then you're very likely to be successful. And, and that is really, I think it, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's one of the things that I think is really hard to actually follow through with in our current environment is there's going to be a lot of conflicts required because a lot of the things that people are passionate about are actually quite um, simple. <laughs> and there's a certain um, element of risk that is involved in that because everyone is individual. Everyone likes other things and is passionate about other things. But we try to find a path that um, out of historical like reasons is secure, right? Like our parents want us to be secured, which again is a very understandable like, interest. But um, I think the most security you get actually, again, going back to the first principle of just doing what you love. And, and that to me is that how I would change that around is not try to gain security, but to do what you love and what you're passionate about, and then you will be secure. Because I've realized is I can go into every area I want right now. Like every door is open. I, I can go into wor in, in working in every space that I want to because what I, because I did what I loved for like six, seven, eight years, and I've learned so many like, talents and and i think i now i've learned how to learn new things really fast so wherever i go i can just learn new things really fast and that's so for me i'm so grateful to have been through this experience because now i can see how building this internal asset of just being resourceful um i if i focus on that then i have enough money then i'm secure then i'm happy and i feel good Great. So do what you love. It's definitely one of the Instead things I of would focusing on being successful. Do what you love. It's absolutely because when you do what you love, you're aligning your life with your purpose. You're finding your why, as Simon Sinek would say. And I, I and just before we move on to now, because now you've ended poker and now you're moving on to to new horizons, and we're going to talk about that. Um, I just wanted to ask. So you're 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 in the middle of doing what you love. You're in the middle of learning poker. Mm -hmm. what, what, the, what does it look like, though, to when you're in the middle of doing what you love? So let's say people know what they want to do. They know their why. They know their purpose. They're doing what they love. Now, what is required of that person to, to, be, to, to become very good at what, what they love? Mm -hmm. Because it's all well and good, everybody doing something that they love, but you can just be just mediocre at what you love. But I know what you love will give you passion to be better. But what, what kind of habits, what kind of practices did you put in place to become number one? I I think um, I really do think, first of all, what you said, I, I believe that if you're really passionate about something, that's the strongest driver you can ever have. I've, um, 
I think there's other drivers that can get you to be successful. Like, for example, wanting to prove people really badly can make you successful. Um, I think a lot of the people I meet that are very successful are um, either extremely passionate about what they do or extremely driven because they need to prove something. And that's just unhealthy um, though, isn't it? The second one. I mean, there's not like yeah. there, there's a variety of different ways. And I think it's about choosing which way, which path you want to go down mm. to. And I think really doing something you're passionate about, the thing that I, that I see there is it is so much more sustainable. And I believe that sustainability also from a personal perspective um, has such a big positive impact on your life. Um, and I think it's very important to focus on that. But um, to, to answer more around what I believe are other factors is one thing that I really believe is to, like I, I strongly believe in directness, directly putting your energy into what you're doing, what you want to get better at. Like I've um, had a lot of conversations recently and I see that myself is the areas I learn the slowest in are the ones where I don't directly put the energy into trying to improve. When... Um, for example, when I try to play the piano or when I try to take, like, learn how to take pictures, I think the best way is to just do it. Just play. Like, play a song, try to play after the song. I think if you do that, like, I think this is more effective than trying to learn, like, theories or, take, like, just play. The same with pictures. Like, take 50,000 pictures and try to improve, like, and understand pictures better. You become a good photograph, photographer. And I think... There's so many aspects where this idea of directly doing what you want to get better at is is um, mostly blocked by people. Um, at least what I observe is like this high expectations towards immediately seeing results. It's like this mixture of um, if you mix passion with patience, I think that's just a formula for success. So you're passionate about something and you just keep doing directly like pouring the energy into the thing you want to get better at very good passion and patience so good um so now you've moved on from poker and you're you're changing the world right now so tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you've moved into a new passion of yours i mean i'm i'm not sure i wouldn't say i'm changing the world but like my it's it's kind of distilling again like also one thing i want to say before don't don't make yourself too much pressure to immediately find what you're passionate about. Mm. That's, that's also really important to me is I feel we make way too much pressure on um, immediately knowing what that is. Like it's totally fine to explore. Like I think there's a very fine balance between, um, again, like passion, like the patience part of you don't have to know immediately what that is that really drives you long term. I think it's totally fine to explore that for years. Like I think we make way too much pressure to like people like children leave school and they like we make them a lot of pressure to immediately know what things they're passionate about without ever giving them room to explore their passions like that 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 i think is really important give yourself space exploration is one of the most important things in life i believe so um but after that so um right now what i've kind of distilled out of the things i've been doing is I'm really passionate about sharing these experiences I made because I feel that I've been very fortunate to go through a sequence of, of experiences that I feel gave me a certain perspective that I believe to be really valuable for other people. And so I'm passionate about sharing 
um, what I've experienced with other people. And so um, to also then contribute to whatever, whatever that is, because I feel I'm better as a multiplier with what other people are doing rather than trying to work on something directly myself. I just love to um, like listen, understand what they're doing, trying to give them input so that they can do better what they're doing. So what I'm working on right now is actually I love bringing together things. So I'm always considered myself more as an architect or like just designing things and looking like, okay, there's a thousand things, which things fit together the best and like having a feeling for that. And so what I'm doing is basically I'm building a space in Vienna, a community space where I want to bring together creative people who really care about having an impact also with a different value system. So it's not about having as much of a financial impact, but it's about having as much of an um, impact in terms of growth. And I think there's certain like overlaps, but I think there's also areas where it's really not overlapping right now at all. For example, in the area of health or education or just more social like systematic change for example where the change is going to be there in 5 10 15 20 years but it's not financially accountable right now so i'm passionate about bringing together these people creating these environments so where they are being inspired um, they can inspire other people and bringing together that chaos where new things can evolve and, and how would people get involved with something like that so my idea is um, I see it I see us or, or me or what we're building is called under the tree so I see as what we're building as a platform in the beginning I see us as curators and really trying to kick it off basically as like the spark that because I think a lot of it just needs a certain dynamic in the beginning but I feel like what I've seen in the past is there's so many people who have so much energy and so much to contribute um, but they just don't know yet that there's a like that there's a place for them or that there's some some platform where they can thrive and and so I just see myself as like giving people these five percent to say like hey take that risk like go out there you you're amazing but just like share it with other people like go out. like I've I've met so many awesome creatives or people that work on things or um, like artists musicians like people in the health education food area like people working on trying to improve systems but they're they're so scared of failure and they're so scared of being judged that they don't share it and I want to create a place where there's a more positive mindset around this type of um, experimentation like just try out things see if it fails okay doesn't matter like we improve we learn and we iterate and this type of positive organic iteration process I think is the driver of innovation and I think it needs more environments that foster that type of mindset absolutely absolutely brilliant Fedor thank you so much for your time for, for coming to London I know you're only here for a day and you're flying back straight after so for our listeners if there's one one thing you could say to, to our listeners one key tip I know you've said loads mm -hmm. of good ones about passion I like the um, you said passion plus patience minus pressure. <laughs> Basically, I thought that's brilliant. Yeah. So that's good. So, but what one of the things, one of the main things that you've learned, one of the things that you would have liked to know as you were growing up as a leader, mm -hmm. what would you like to f to say? Um, I really think I, I put a couple things together. Is I think really listen to that inner voice. Like there is something inside you that is telling you constantly what is right and wrong in like your internal evaluation. 
um, take that risk to maybe break with things you you've learned to believe. Um, so like I would say, listen inside, like if it's a toxic relationship, if it's a job you don't want to do, like if it's something you've always wanted to do, like do a trip somewhere, like, um, it's, it's all these moments where you feel like, Oh no, I shouldn't be doing this. Or I'm like, but you feel like you want to do it. Just take that risk and do it. Like, even if it's five hours, if you always wanted to learn something, like you don't have to like quit your job and just like do it five hours a week. Like just try to do it a little bit and then it can evolve. If you've always wanted to be self-employed and you like don't know how to get there, or, like it's financially a risk, just like try to slowly build it. And, and I think this identify what you're passionate about, follow that intuition and then really make an effort to n not expect like it's going to work overnight, but like every single day, just improve it by 1%. And I think you'll get there over time. Thank you so much, Fedor. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. And see you next time, everybody, on London's Leadership Podcast. It would be great to hear from you. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at London's Leaders. If you would like to work together, ask us questions or even get involved, you can email us at hello at londonsleadershippodcast.com. We look forward to hearing from you and see you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.